2: Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Look, oh, that gets
0: me excited. And, of course, the hottest
2: takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the
1: series, you'll like football. Well, right? say
0: I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise <laughs> the Steelers. Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of SBT Overtime. It's been a while since we've talked hockey, but the season is full swing here in the month of December, and we have a lot to get caught up on. So my name is Dan Groen, and today I'm joined by my fellow Depressed Blue Jackets fan, Pat Weber. What's going on, Dan? Oh, uh, well, we got a lot to talk about, and um, it's going to be rough. So uh, also, I want to introduce uh, Casey Rush, our resident uh, Penguins fan. How you doing, Casey?
2: Listen, I feel too so bad for your for you blue jackets fans. Mm-hmm. I just Can't understand what's going on with your team right now. We can't. All I know is the Penguins are in third. I'm in a happy place. I just wish for you guys the same.
0: Yeah. Well, we will see as the season progresses. We have a lot to get caught up on as far as what's already happened and how we think the Blue Jackets can improve. Uh, But first of all, I want to touch up on some uh, NHL headlines going around. First of all, um, our hearts go out to Chris Letang who suffered a stroke. Uh, He actually returned to practice ten days later, uh, but it's the his his future is definitely uh in question right now uh casey do you think that chris letang will end up coming back or do you think maybe we've seen the last of him?
2: honestly i still think he's coming back but i was definitely scared when i saw the report especially when you consider the fact that he suffered a stroke back in 2014 so that's not his first stroke his health problems are definitely deteriorating i could I can only wish the best for him, but Chris Letang still has a lot left in the tank, as you saw this season. And I still think Chris Letang is still going to be playing for like a couple more years until he decides to hang up the skates.
0: Yeah, it was we were fortunate that uh, to hear that. It didn't seem like a very massive stroke. It seemed like something he was able to recover from, which is good news to hear. Um, How much of an impact has Chris Letang's absence had on the defense? Have they still been performing very good, or have they seen kind of a step back without him?
2: Uh, The Penguins have actually played very, very well on defense, actually. like Their worst stretch after Thanksgiving was just four goals. Like They've been playing extremely well on defense and offense, but the Penguins are a team that knows how to adapt, and they've been adapting very well, especially this month of December.
0: Yeah, that's what I've kind of noticed with them. They seem to be kind of a streaky team, but it seems like they're on the upside of that streak. Um, After kind of a slow start to the season, it is nice to see – well, not as a Blue Jackets fan, it's nice nice (laughs) to see them uh, doing well, but um, (laughs) – you know for for you penguins fans out there it's, it's got to be good knowing that uh they can still perform without some of their top players like chris Latang. um also in the penguins headlines uh we probably all saw that jeff skinner cross check on jake gensel i don't know if you guys saw that or not but it looked pretty bad he went right to the face for absolutely no reason um, luckily jake gensel did not get hurt in that one but uh, yeah. assuming jeff skinner does get suspended how long do we think he'll get suspended for
2: well honestly i didn't see it but i need to look at the clip but depending on it is i think it might be like a game or two mm-hmm. since jake getzel didn't really get hurt so yeah that's what i was it's not going to be that long so of a even
1: suspension. though he didn't get hurt i still think like a cross check to the face should at least warrant like a five game suspension in my opinion yeah because like it's one thing you know if you cross check somebody and they get hurt and you get suspended two games but like directly to the face yeah i know he didn't get hurt but that's still just like a blatant act of like, I'm trying to injure you. Yeah. So I think it should be at least five games, maybe. Um. But that's just uh, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, you never know. Because the, N- the NHL has a wheel of discipline, just like the NFL. It's they so do. inconsistent.
1: Yep, exactly. It's You
0: never know what you're going to get with uh, NHL suspensions. But just looking at the clip itself, I think that it's probably going to warrant a two to four game suspension. I think that's a pretty fair suspension. I mean, I could see maybe why it would be a little bit longer, but considering that Gensel did not get injured, I think ultimately it'll just be a short suspension, but nonetheless, a very, how do I put this in PC, PG terms, um, a very wussy like move by uh, Jeff Skinner I was not a fan of that. So switching yeah. gears over to Columbus. Man oh, wow. we got a lot to talk about with the Blue Jackets don't we? So um obviously we came off of a historically bad loss against the buffalo
1: sabers the final score was nine to four that was one of our worst losses in franchise history absolutely like, and that says a lot considering the all jackets, the lows. That yeah the, the jackets we uh we have been through more lowest of lows than highest of highs since yes. we were founded as a franchise and um well, we saw the end of the first period. What that score was, sitting at six nothing. Yeah, uh, giving up a hat trick in the first. Uh, I think it was the first ten minutes of the game. Tage Thompson already had a hat trick. Yeah, I just remember I looked down at my phone at one point because I, I saw that the Sabres scored one nothing. I'm like, okay, not not too big of a deal. Um, it is what it is. Uh, next thing I know, I look down at my phone and I see five nothing with 15 minutes left to go in the period, and I just sat back. I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Yeah, like how does that happen? Like already across the board, a five nothing or even six nothing loss is embarrassing as it is, but to have mm-hmm. that deficit at the end of the first period was still 40 minutes of hockey to play is just like. It's absolutely embarrassing. It, it, it doesn't really matter.
0: Is. It doesn't matter how thin your roster is. You should not be
1: allowing that many goals. In not such to mention a that. Fan. Yeah, that's. It was a home game too. This was played in front of our fans, and I mean, going through social media and seeing just how upset all Jackets fans were. I mean, I completely understood. A lot of people, including myself, were actually calling for a written apology. Yeah, from the front office. Very for much like game. that Tampa Bay one when we swept them. It, it really was. We know
0: you don't want to hear it, but
2: it, it, it really was. It <laughs> yeah, was that just was. Bad. Yeah, I looked at notifications myself. I saw you two were absolutely going nuts in the in the WZIP group chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah really that game rude. was a massacre. <laughs> you guys had, the Sabers had more goals that period six than you guys did shots five. Yep, that is just absolutely a
1: abysmal yep, I, I no was...
2: team in the nhl should have to put up a performance like yeah. that you normally see this in like high school hockey
1: not in or the even NHL. even collegiate that's hockey. absolutely embarrassing yeah i've seen pretty bad blowouts in with the uh, zips hockey club but it, it, it was just embarrassing i mean when i when i looked at the stats and i saw that uh corpus Allo, who started the night in that had given up more goals than he did save shots i was like okay well, i understand why it warranted him getting pulled, but then yeah. we ended up putting him back into the game at right. the end because Elvis was doing no better in net. I mean, Elvis's first shot that he faced of the night after we pulled Corpusala resulted in a Sabres goal. It was Tage Thompson's fourth of yeah. the period at that point. And like I said, I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing if you lose a game 6 nothing overall, which is only embarrassing, but to have nine goals scored on you in a game is terrible. And at one point, we did manage to bring it back to you know a reasonable margin um, but then again, as all things do with the jackets, it crumbles at some point and almost immediately after, I think we scored two or I think if we scored two unanswered to kind of cut into the deficit a little bit. They got one back on us. We got two more uh, and then it was just all downhill from there. Yeah, it really was. And
0: I mean, for as disappointing as Elvis Merzlikens has been and that, that game, it was still unacceptable, but. You almost can't help but feel bad, considering that he was thrown in there after Corpy let in like four goals in the first couple minutes, and you can just you know you can only imagine that confidence level, you know, just being thrown out there, thinking, "Wow, I how am I gonna
1: get back?" It's already low because at at that point when it uh, when the score was four nothing, you have to imagine that the game's basically over at that point, regardless. So it's like you're putting him in. For, for what? he's, We're not going to win the game. And Jackets fans across the nation, we've already been disgruntled with Elvis this year because he has been severely underperforming. And I just think that was like just you know adding fuel to the fire where we're putting him in. Like, yeah, I understand that Korpisal is not having a good game at all. But I mean, that just added fuel to the Elvis hate fire that's been kind of slowly building yeah. in the fan base since I, last year. Like I said, last year, he started off the season very, very well. Yeah, extremely well and then ever since then it just been a total nosedive in his performance right and that i kind of want to touch up on that a little bit is that
0: what we blame for this disappointing season for the blue jackets is this a goaltending issue is this an injury issue is this coaching what do you think is
1: the primary reason why the blue jackets are under underperforming so much i think it's a little bit of everything at this point honestly more so on the coaching um especially since brad larson is not yeah. A very good coach at all. I remember I think it was an interview, excuse me, I think it was in an, an interview when um we were actually playing over in Finland in the overseas series against the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Um where one of the uh That was not a fun experience for sure. It was not, but I remember a reporter was asking uh Patrick Line, a, you know, kind of the ins and outs of how do you prepare during practice, and Line a flat out said that he doesn't know because the team doesn't know what to do during practice, because brad larson has no idea what he's doing right and when your star player one of your star players speaks out on hey our coach doesn't know what's going on we don't know what to do during practice why is brad larson still the head coach of the blue jackets right i mean he flat out said he does not know what he's doing yeah and then
0: after that loss there was a report that the players held a players only meeting and while that's not always indicative of you know like oh they they completely are out on him they're completely out on larson it really is a red flag though considering that they couldn't get anything together in any of those intermissions they just could not get anything together on the ice and it just seems
1: like brad larson just does not have control of that locker he doesn't room. and um yeah. I, I do think because of how poor of a coach he is i do think that is affecting the goalies a lot you know you have to have a good coach to run the practices properly and if you're not running them properly then the goalies aren't getting the reps and the experience and the preparation that they're going to need going into games and i do think that is also on brad larson but it's still i'm not taking it away being like oh it's just all on him because it's not yeah Um, there are games where you know it is inexcusable some of the goals that we've given up um, so that is somewhat on Corpus Allo and on Elvis. Um, and then also, you know, kind of like you said, the injuries, too. We have our defense has been plagued by injuries this year. Yeah. Um, it seems like, you know, finally, we have a bright spot in our in our future when we sign Johnny Gaudreau. And then all of a sudden, our entire defense gets hurt. Next thing, you yeah. know, basically the entire Cleveland Monsters organization, their entire defense is now being called up to play at the professional level. So. You know, it's one thing that you have all these inexperienced guys, but still I, you know, you're you know that you're gonna be called up at some point. You know that yeah. you're always liable to be called up. So I just think that's a big lack of preparation also on their part.
2: Yeah, what I'm seeing right now from the blue jackets, it's just absolutely abysmal. And you guys talked about how Patrick Line called out the head coach literally right in front of the media. When your star player is saying that. It's probably telling you that you probably should have fired him before you even hired him. That is yeah. just absolutely so, so terrible. And there's no reason why you should be this bad. You have so much talent on the roster. Blaine, Johnny Gaudreau, Gustav Nyquist, and Boone Jenner, just to name a few. You got the talent, yet this guy doesn't even know how to use it. It's just... Absolutely abysmal. The,
1: the only reason that
2: even Larson the had... Penguins would have fired him right on the spot if they would have, yeah. if he would have put up a performance just like that. That's yeah. a, the
1: only reason I know that uh, Brad Larson even got that extension is because last year when we got rid of um, Tortorella. Tortorella, it kind of fell on him, but he yeah. still had a very, very good team. And at the end of the day, that team was still. They still knew what they were doing in a sense, but then going into this season, I mean, we knew Larson was going to change the playbook. We knew he was going to try to run his own stuff, and it is very clearly not working. Again, he got the extension because he did manage to lead us to a very reasonable record when we were supposed to beat. Like, we were a lot better last year at this point than we are this year, Yeah, which makes no sense to me because we have a lot more talent on our roster this year than we did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we dealt um, with our fair share of injuries last year, too. Yeah, and, and we, we fought through it. But again, that is a huge flag of, hey, Brad Larson is just not a good coach. No. Um, and no. like I said, but the only issue is, Dan, like we kind of touched on before we uh, began recording, is Larson will have these embarrassing losses to terrible teams. Mm. But then out of nowhere we'll beat a team like the Panthers. Yeah. We'll somehow the beat the Flames two, or we'll beat the Flames 3-1. Yeah. So it's like we we should fire him, but the only thing is he keeps winning us games against very good teams, but against the teams that we're supposed to beat, we are severely underperforming. So it's like, I guess in the front office, I can understand that they don't know what to do at this point because he's winning us the games that we should be losing, but he's losing us the games that we should be winning. Yeah, it's
0: very it's just a very odd situation uh, in Columbus for sure. And, you know, under John Tortorella for as much criticism as I've given him about just, you know, some of his like styles, his coaching styles, games and everything no matter how many injuries the Blue Jackets would have, they always would stay competitive with everyone else. And so as much as I want to, like, you know, blame a lot of this season on our injuries, I mean, just looking at this defense alone, you know, Marcus Bjork, Tim Burney, Gavin Bayreuther, Jay Christensen, they all got starting or or playing minutes in these last couple games, and all those guys started the season in Cleveland. So I want to blame a lot of this on coaching, but at the same time, Every team has their fair share of injuries, and it's about the next man up mentality, and it just doesn't seem like we're capitalizing on that. It really is.
1: and I don't know. I just feel like the chemistry that we've been seeking since bringing Johnny Gaudreau into the locker room, it hasn't quite clicked yet. Um, I remember I was actually talking with some of my friends and family um, because my father and I had actually got a chance to go to the uh, Jackets-Pens game and i was arguing to say that you know for the opening um, two periods we played very very well even though we did end up losing 6-3 mm-hmm. um but i was arguing that we've looked better without patrick line on the ice and with johnny gaudreau on the ice which was very concerning because i'm like yeah. we have two of the best wingers that you're gonna have two of the best young wingers you're gonna get on one team but yet the chemistry doesn't seem to be there now last night they did play very very well so i was pretty happy with that but i mean overall as the season has gone on it's almost seen seemed like when patrick line isn't on the ice it almost seems like we are playing better and i hate saying that because i love patrick line but i don't know if that just might be because you know everybody holds him in such a high regard that you know they're they're more concerned about their playing and when you are more concerned about how you're playing you are going to play worse because you'll uh, get in your own head Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like i said it just seems like when it's just johnny hockey on the ice he commands the team extremely well but when patrick Liney is thrown into the mix it's almost like we uh trip up a little bit and i'm not too sure you know i'm not sure why that is um hopefully we can get that ironed out pretty soon um again that could also still fall under a coaching thing that we're not building the chemistries that we need to be building you know through team practices because again you know like line kind of said is brad larson doesn't have a clue what he's doing he has no idea of yeah. what he's doing so i i'm ready to move on from brad larson i want him to be fired um i've actually said and i'm going to hold myself to this i will not go back to another blue jackets game for as long as brad larson is still the head coach of this team because i'm i refuse uh, he's yeah. literally he's one of the worst coaches ever i mean when your star players are holding players only meetings because of your coach when they're holding when they're admitting to the media overseas media united states media that hey this guy doesn't have a clue what's going on and he's still our head coach. I don't see a reason why I would want to pay it, you know, to go see the Jackets play it nationwide again. Right. I mean, how much worse is it going to get at this point? And uh, going back to your uh,
0: point about Line. I've noticed that too. I forget what the exact record was, like between with and without him. Um, but like just looking at these players, I mean, they're still being relatively productive. Like Patrick Line has got 10 points, uh, seven goals, three assists throughout 13 games. So he's up there around that uh, point per game mark. Uh, obviously, he's, he's dealt with his fair share of injuries this season too, but there's just got to be something there that can get him back into his full, you know, prime self and get that chemistry going together
1: so it's just concerning you know like like i said looking at the stats that you know line does have 10 points which is that's still pretty good at this point in the season especially since he's missed uh, a few weeks because of injuries um but it is very concerning when our best p- uh, plus minus player is a two yeah that is extremely concerning um i mean it, it dips all the way down to negative nine on some of our players yeah. with their plus minus and That is extremely concerning, especially you know when I look at somebody like Johnny Gaudreau, who is leading us in almost every single. He's leading us in almost every single category. Yeah, leading us in points, goals, assists, and he's sitting at uh, minus three on a plus minus. That's concerning. That is very indicative
0: of just how the game's being coached, really. So yeah, we are not not a fan of Brad Larson at the moment. At all. Um, Is there any way that this season we can turn the
1: season around? unless we fire Brad Larson and bring somebody new in absolutely not because Larson just he doesn't have what it takes to coach the talent that is on this team yeah you know he he I mean maybe he was able to coach last year's squad a little bit better because we only had one for sure standout star in Patrick Liney well now you have two of them you have Johnny Gaudreau. you have Patrick Liney and to mention like I you know like we said Johnny Gaudreau chose us he chose yeah. to come to the city now I can he came here to win games i can guarantee you he's, he's regretting that a little bit right now but like i said i just don't think brad larson has what it takes to coach the level of talent that is on this team and i think it's time to move on and try to find a new head coach at this point i would agree
0: um just because it just doesn't seem like i can get any worse from here and so is there any like Potential roster moves that you could see improving this team because right now, you know we're looking at Jake Voracek. His future is in jeopardy right now. He's taking a very long leave of absence due to concussions, and it's likely he might not even play again. We're not even sure. And then also uh, last night, unfortunately, uh, Corpasalo went down due to an injury. Elvis Merzlikins came in, only allowed one goal, walking away with the win. But Corpasalo. If he's injured, then that means we're going to have to bring Daniel Tarasov back up. He was literally just sent back down to the Monsters. So, with all these injuries and all these issues going around with the, going on with the team, are there any trades that you think could help the Blue Jackets? And do you think?
1: the Blue Jackets are going to make a big splash at the trade deadline? Um, I think that we should definitely try to make a big splash. I don't know if we will. Um, Definitely bringing in a better goaltender should be our top priority other than finding a new head coach. Um, Our goaltending this year has just been it's been absolutely abysmal Mm. to watch. Uh, I'm pretty sure we give up the most goals per game on average. We're giving up four or five on average which is god awful. I mean that is like bottom of the barrel you should only be allowing two three goals max per yeah. game and we're giving up five and only scoring two elvis's or three goals against average is almost at five i think it's at like 4.8 or something it's terrible and as much as i don't like saying this because i was a big supporter of elvis i think it's time that we look to move on from elvis i know he's a fan favorite or he was a fan favorite but he's no longer getting the job done no, Corpusalo, Even though I've bashed him a few times on this podcast, he's been playing when he has played this year. Other than that, absolutely embarrassing um, loss to the yeah. Sabers. He's more of that played, safety net. Yeah, he he hasn't been playing bad at all. Right. Um. So I, as much as I don't like to say it, I do think we should look to move on from Elvis at the trade deadline. I do think we should look to trade him as well as some of our other pieces. Um, possibly trading. You know, like you were saying, maybe we. You know, maybe we could put together a package of Elvis Voracek and one other person, maybe like Jack Roslevic, and try to bring in the elite goaltender that we do need, um, because we do desperately need that. Um, We can either do that, or um, if we don't look to put together a package to bring in a better goaltender, I would like for us to honestly kind of sit back, let's let the season ride out, and in free agency, we know that there are going to be a multitude of goalies that will be free agents, and I think we should look to bring one of those in. Um, the goalie I actually want the most is actually a goalie that is very disliked in the city of Columbus, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing us you know, making a trade for Marc-Andre Fleury even though Mm -hmm. i know he is aged i know he's aging he's very very old at this point in his career but he's still a phenomenal goaltender and i think that bringing him in um and having him as a mentor to daniel tarasov i think that could make tarasov blossom into one of the better goaltenders in the league in the future because we've seen tarasov for as young as he is he has had flashes of greatness already absolutely he just needs that uh, veteran mentor to kind of bring him up to speed to kind of coach him up and i think that's why we should look to honestly put a package try to send him over to the wild you know maybe see if we can get mark andre Fleury because i think that would make our goaltending core flourish yeah and Unfortunately, I think that that would have to come at the
0: expense of someone like Vladislav Gavrikov. He has been on the trade uh, block, apparently. Um, I don't know if that was ever made official, but uh, either Pierre LeBron or Elliot Freeman essentially said that he is probably going to be done in Columbus at some point soon. So hopefully they're able to get someone like that. Um, also, Columbus has been tied to names like Brock Besser and Bo Horvat. I don't know if that happens. I just don't think there's any trade that's going to offer. Automatically, just you know, turn the season around like that. The only thing that could is, like, like I said, bringing in a better goaltender. Yeah, that's the only way to. I think that could be like a stopgap, but I just don't know if that's gonna bring us back up to where we want to be. And honestly, that's okay because at this point. It's just a matter of you know seeing. All right, are we going to be able to get a high draft pick? Are we going to be able to get Connor Bedard? That's the one thing that I'm. If, if there's any silver lining in this horrible, abysmal season from Columbus, is that we have a chance to get Connor Bedard, a generational talent that hopefully pans out in the NHL. As much high as for as much hype as he's getting, I think that. A combination of goudreau bedard and line a, if they all reach their max potential that is a very dangerous line it so it is um that's that's how i see the trade deadline panning out i don't make i don't expect the jackets to make any huge trades uh, but casey how about the penguins is there any particular trade that you want to see or do you expect there to be any sort of movement around the trade deadline
2: honestly i don't think the penguins are going to move around as much if anything, we're going to be trading away some members of the Wilkes-Barre Scram Penguins instead. But expect a, maybe just one or two changes on the main roster. Like Stats-wise, maybe Sam Polan or Philip Hollander. He hasn't been performing. The biggest name on the trade block I actually have is Brian Dumoulin. He hasn't been performing as well as he in previous years. Maybe it's time for him to cut the cord and maybe have a change of scenery. But other than that, I don't see the Penguins doing anything on the trade deadline. Yeah. I think we're in a good spot. Yeah, Dumoulin
0: has definitely seen better days. He's someone that I could see them moving on from because of just that defensive depth. They seem to be performing a lot better than they have in previous seasons with that defense. Um, So let's speaking of which let's talk about some of our most um, surprising, impressive players on each team and some of our most disappointing players. Uh, So Casey, I'll start with you with the penguins. Who have you been mostly impressed
2: by and who has been a disappointment? My shining star for the penguins. The biggest surprise for me has been Brock McGinn. He hasn't been off to a good start, but then he heated up, and he's been scoring points. He's been assisting goals. He's been he's been all over the ice. And honestly, the biggest disappointment for me is there's not really a big disappointment. Everyone just I don't really see out any their... disappointments on the roster. But Jan Ruda has been a big surprise for me. We brought him up from the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's been doing very very well. Honestly, I think this team is meeting expectations early, but the season is still young. There's like four months of hockey left. Let's see if they the penguins can keep going. Yeah, there's still plenty of season left, as you
0: said um to see all that how that all that pans out and I was also very impressed with the Yan Ruta signing from the Penguins because I thought you know here's someone who is very young he's you know has championship Stanley Cup experience with tampa bay he was very solid down there and so when i saw the penguins picked him up i I thought that was a really good signing by them so uh moving on to the blue jackets uh pat who are some of your players you've been most impressed with and who has been the most disappointing
1: which Um, i'm sure we can come up with a lot oh there's, there's a lot of disappointing not very many that i've been impressed with obviously johnny gaudreau is just the only hope that this team has at this point Um, We knew that bringing Johnny Hockey in was going to elevate. We what we assumed it would elevate this team and for the most part he's been playing out of his mind he's been doing everything that he can to get us wins it's just not clicking but i will say i am very very impressed with kent johnson Mm -hmm. um we knew that when we had drafted him he was going to be a phenomenal player i just didn't know he was going to play to this level quite so quickly as he's already sitting with 13 points uh six goals and seven assists um as his first official full season as a columbus blue jacket so this is very very impressive um i've loved watching him on the ice he's one of the most electric players that we have um if you can Definitely. get him going those are the games that we win is when he gets going um when it comes time to who's disappointing i mean basically anybody on the uh anyone in our goalie depth they're just they're just abysmal this year like yeah. i said elvis i think has been by far the most disappointing player on this team because we did just sign him to that big contract to bring him back and he has been abysmal um also you know like you kind of said not a big fan of voracek now i know he has been out but at the end of the day um you would expect to have seen him come back at some point he still has not and i am very very disappointed in eric branson now i knew yep. that bringing him in he wasn't the you know biggest talent he's not the best defensive player that you want to have on your team but he is still you know your average defender and he has been playing not very well whatsoever um as a matter of fact you know he has played almost every single game this season he's only sitting at six points and marcus bjork who was recently called up yep has been outperforming him in almost every single way yeah um Like I said, Goodbranson, uh, he was our first free agent signing, so I would expect a little bit more out of him. And so far, he has done nothing. So I think for my most disappointing, I'm going to hand it to um, Eric Goodbranson and Elvis Mears Lincolns. Yeah, I mean, those are probably in my bottom as well.
0: Um, also about Eric Branson, I noticed he has a plus minus, a plus and minus of negative seven, which is the lowest among all defensemen on this team. So he's definitely not living up to that $16 million contract that we signed him to, uh, which you want to obviously you want to see him at least be a solid bottom line defenseman. So he's just been very inconsistent among that. Um, also, Cole- Listen,
2: with Eric Branson, when he was on the Penguins, yeah, I was definitely disappointed when he was on the Penguins. I'm not shocked that he's disappointing you guys. Not that you were disappointed enough.
0: Yeah, no, we, we've got our, we've got enough disappointments. It, it yeah. seems like that's just <laughs> one of the many. And speaking of other ones, uh, Sean Corrali, you know, ten points in twenty-four games, he's been very inconsistent. And it's not so much his stat line that I'm worried about. It's just his style of play. He just doesn't seem to have command of the puck. He forces way too many turnovers. Um, he just does not seem to look right out there. And also, one player that doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot of uh, flack is Cole Sillinger. He was one of our best young players last year at only 18, 19 years old, and we expect to see a bigger jump from him this season, but he's only got two goals, three assists for five points, in 26 games played. So that is something that, to me, has been very underwhelming. Of course, he's only 19 years old. He's got all the time in the world to improve upon that, but – you hope to see that bigger step, but like we've seen out of Kent Johnson. And speaking of which Kent Johnson, he's been one of my most uh, impressive players, obviously Johnny Gaudreau leading in all stats, but we expected to see Johnny Gaudreau playing at such a high level. Um, but Kent Johnson really taking that next step. Also, it's not just his stat line, but also the fact that he just seems to have really good chemistry with Johnny Gaudreau, uh, Kirill Marchenko, all the guys that he's playing with. Um, so going across the league, Outside of the Blue Jackets, there have been a lot of impressive breakout players. There's been a lot that have disappointed. Um, So I want to start with some of the most impressive players. I'll do mine first. Um, I've really been impressed, obviously, with Jason Robertson, the Filipino kid on dallas um he has 23 goals second in the nhl only behind Connor mcdavid he is also third in points with 41 just an absolute breakout year for him that i don't think anyone has seen coming and also um much to the disappointments or the uh Frustration of Blue Jackets fans, but Tage Thompson, he's got a similar story there. He's got a scoring line of 21 20 for 41 points, and he also ranks third in goals and points. So Tage Thompson has really taken off and has shown that he's been one of the most underrated performers in the nhl um so who are some of you guys' most impressive uh
1: players i'll start with you pat so you took the two that i had right (laughs) out of my mouth i mean like you said tage thompson especially in my opinion has been um outstanding this year um like you said kind of to the dismay of us jackets fans um he did score five goals of those nine uh that the sabers got on us. Um but needless to say he has been absolutely outstanding this season. Also, I know everybody expects him to be this good season in and season out, but I just want to talk about Connor McDavid a little bit because mm-hmm. he's continuing to impress everybody across the league already at 54 points, 25 goals. It doesn't get much better than that if you're an Edmonton fan. Um Connor McDavid, I mean Yeah, we say it almost every time we're up here. Yeah. He is one of the greatest, if not the greatest player in the NHL right now. Yeah, he'll definitely go down. was one of the all-time greats, and he's still
0: got plenty left, obviously. He is only getting to his prime. So, yeah, let's go on to some of our – actually, no, Casey, I I skipped over you. Who are some of the more impressive players on your end?
2: Well, you definitely took two of mine as well with Tom- with Jason Robertson and Tage Thompson. Those two guys have been performing so, so well. Jason Robertson is one of the biggest reasons why Dallas is performing the way they are. They're currently second in the Central, only behind the Winnipeg Jets. Jason Robertson has just been – he's just been on fire as of late. And Tage Thompson – Buffalo, why are you wasting him? He's been your biggest, he's been your biggest goal scorer. You definitely need some help around him and stop cross-checking Jake Getzel every single time you need him. <laughs> but another impressive player I've seen is David Posternak. You notice that the Bruins are on top of the NHL right now, and for good reason. They've they've been performing like a well-oiled machine as of late. And there's and it's also because of their Goalie Linus Allmark. He's been stopping things left to right. He, yes, he did have that disappointing loss against the Coyotes, but then against the Coyotes, they beat a good team once in a while. <laughs> it's just been, I've just been impressed with Robertson, Thompson, and Posternock. Those are my three impressive players. Yeah, I guess we all we all
0: have the same mind right there. Um, So let's talk about some of our more disappointing players. I have a few and most of them are on the goaltending end. I'm going to start with Jacob Markstrom. He has allowed an opening shot goal six times this season. Six times. And this is a guy who was a Vesna candidate last year. And you would expect him to, you know, stay at that very high level and that'd be one of the Calgary flame strengths. But now he's not even their number one goalie anymore. So I've been very disappointed with Jacob Markstrom also in Alberta, Jack Campbell. He was supposed to be a bright spot for Edmonton, kind of that stop gap at that goalie position that they've struggled with for a while, but he's also disappointing with an eight seventy two save percentage allowing over four goals against, uh, or allowing over four goals a game. So, you know, Elvis Leakins, he's not only been the most disappointing uh, goalie there's been, there's also Jacob Markstrom and Jack Campbell um, as some of my disappointing players. So
1: Pat, who are some players that you've been kind of underwhelmed by? Um, like you kind of said, I I'm kind of picking on the goalies here a little bit, but I'm actually very very surprised, and I know that he's still a very very good goaltender, so I'm not taking that away from him. But I have been very underwhelmed by uh, Igor Shosturkin mm-hmm. this year. Needless to say, you know, like you kind of mentioned, same type of a situation. He was a Vezina favorite last year. He still won it. And yet, he is sitting at 11th across all goalies. Not the best. Uh, he's giving up, on average, two and a half goals per game, which for a goalie of that caliber is almost unheard of um, at this point. Like like you kind of said, he's just very underwhelming this year for a guy of his caliber. You would expect him to come out of the gates, all cylinders firing, being the best goalie in the league. And he's not even in the top 10. It's just very, very odd, uh, in my opinion. So he's definitely taking the cake for one of my most, if not the most disappointing player across the league this year. Yeah, it just seems like goaltending has been so, like, just not quite there
0: as it used to be. It just seems like... Across the league, we're seeing a lot more high scoring games. Like uh, Seattle ended up beating, I forget who they were playing. Was it Vegas, I think? Uh, they ended up beating them like nine to eight. Or no, I think it was the LA Kings. Seattle ended up winning nine to eight. So that just goes to show some of the parity that we see in goaltending. So,
2: uh, how about you, Casey? Who has been underwhelming to you? I've mainly been, I'm going to be picking on the goalie department as well. As Pat mentioned, Igor Shesterkin, yeah, he hasn't been having the best of years. That's why the Rangers are sit- currently sitting in the last wild card spot. But then again, he had that breakout year last year, and it's kind of difficult to maintain it. One big disappointment I've had is Mark Andre Fleury, actually. And honestly, I know you guys have been trying to get him on the Blue Jackets. I just think this is just going to be an off year for him because mm-hmm. right now. Mark Andre Fleury has given up more than three goals average. He currently has a goal against average of three point one six. Shout Stone Cold Steve Austin. Is not been doing. He has been doing well as of late, and Philip Gustafson has mainly been their goaltender number one. It's just. <sighs> It's just sad to see Marc-Andre Fleury having one of those years. And another goalie that I'm depressed about is Jordan Bennington from the St. Louis Blues. The St. Louis Blues are not having a good year this year. And honestly, their glory days are over. Jordan Bennington currently has a goal-against average of 3.42. And the sad part is his counterpart, Thomas Grice, is 3.69. I might as well add both Blues goaltenders in here. They've just been absolutely abysmal. I expected more from the Blues.
1: I'll say another goalie that I've been extremely uh, underwhelmed by is Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, where did he go? Right. I mean, where he was did a he go? perennial Vesna candidate. He and- was, and now he's sitting um, with the 10th best record uh, across all goaltenders. So still, nothing to take away from, but 21st in goals uh, given up on average. He's at almost giving up three goals on average which for a goaltender of what his caliber is that is almost unheard of to go from you know vesna candidate to giving up three goals a game so he's 21st in that um 29th in save percentage yeah barely hanging not, on to a 0. 0.900 save percentage yeah, right there so no shutouts either for him and we last year we're seeing shutouts almost left and right from this guy and not one to be seen this year, extremely underperforming. But like you said, this year goaltenders have been underperforming. Now that might just be because the game is changing so quickly to where, yeah. you know, goalies aren't going to be good in the future because of just how high powered these young players coming into the league are and how good everybody's really getting at handling the puck and at scoring. Um, the game is definitely changing, so I do think that's why a lot of these goaltenders have been we've been viewing them as subpar because for once we're not seeing a super defensive season of hockey where in the past, you know, you're getting two to one wins three to nothing wins and, and like the low scoring but this year you're getting games where you know it might go to a seven to six win it might go to a five to four win it you know something like that it's just there's a lot more scoring going on this year which from an outsider if you if you're not a fan of hockey um if you're somebody that doesn't watch hockey and you're looking in, that's very good because that makes the game very exciting mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. at the end of the day when you're looking at it from somebody who enjoys hockey like the uh some of us do, um, it kind of hurts to see a little bit because yeah. don't get me wrong, I like seeing all the goals. It's it's exciting, Absolutely. it's fun, it builds up that energy. But at the end of the day, you know, hockey used to be a dog fight and it's really becoming something that it's it's not anymore. So it's kind of a little off-putting to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, goaltending across the board, I would just put as a disappointment this year because no goalies have been um outstanding in my opinion this season right i'm getting yeah. that same kind of feel like just looking at some of the top goalies
0: like you wouldn't have expected Allmark or samsonov or vanacek right Elias um, sorokin those are like some of your top five goalies right now even matt murray's doing well in toronto so i it's just a very odd season that's i I just don't get it but again it's still early in the season we'll see what happens Um, but it has been a strange one that's for sure so let's take a look at some of these standings right now uh the top teams in each division so far boston is leading the atlantic followed by toronto and tampa so kind of the same ones that we've seen all you know for the last couple years leading the atlantic division The Metro is where it gets interesting. New Jersey Devils Mm -hmm. are at the very top. I've been very impressed with how the Devils have been playing. Yeah, They are tied for first with the Bruins uh, across the league, sitting atop the Metro, Mm -hmm. followed by Carolina. We know how good they are, and the Penguins are right on Carolina's doorstep sitting in third. Um, In the West, Winnipeg, Dallas, and Colorado sit at the top. I do expect Colorado to kind of fall because they have a lot of injuries. They're essentially the Colorado Eagles right now. Nathan McKinnon is out for four to six Mm -hmm. weeks, so I only expect them to go down whereas I think Minnesota is going to surge. Um, and then the Pacific Division, Vegas, yep. Seattle, which is another surprising t- surprising team considering yep. it's their second year in the league. Um, and then Edmonton Oilers sitting
1: at third. Um, so any of those teams surprise any of you guys? Definitely the Kraken are definitely, I would say, one of the biggest surprises of the season. Um, like you said, it's their second season, and they're sitting at number two. Um, I'm not going to say that's all because of a certain man that was traded to them, but he has (laughs) definitely been a role player. Ali, I miss you so much. I wish we wouldn't have traded you. Um, It was needed, though. We weren't able to afford his contract, but he's been playing very, very well. Over in Seattle, he has 13 points, uh, three goals, 10 assists. Like I said, I I just miss Oliver Bjorkstrand so, oh, so S- much D-Y. right now. Um, another really surprising yeah. team that I'll admit that this came out of nowhere is actually the Detroit Red Wings, as they are only two games right now out of third behind the Lightning, which is mm-hmm. extremely surprising because um, the past few years, past at least 10 years, the Red Wings have been, in my opinion, one of the worst teams um across the nhl and they're bouncing back it seems this year so very very impressed with that um i'm also very impressed with colorado that they are managing to still be a top three team in their uh conference but like you kind of said um you expect them to fall. They are right now on a four game losing streak. So I expect that to continue. Um, but where they're sitting right now, after losing the multitude of players that they did, that they are still managing to be one of the best teams right now is very, very surprising to me.
2: Yeah, the Kraken have definitely been a big, big surprise. It's actually a pleasant surprise because I definitely do have a soft spot for the Kraken. But this team has just been—they gel together after two seasons, which is absolutely amazing. Andre Burakovsky—he's averaging a point per game. He's been doing very well ever since he got traded from the Stanley Cup champion Avalanche. Jared McCann has been doing pretty well, and even Justin Schultz. This this whole entire team has bonded together like as a cohesive unit, and that's one of the best things you want to see as a hockey fan—the newcomers going up against the old guys. And another surprise, the New Jersey Devils. They've actually been, they're actually in first in the Metropolitan, which is unheard of considering the teams in it, like the Rangers, the Penguins, the yeah. Hurricanes. I definitely did not expect the Devils to be in first at the time of this recording, but they've been performing very well, especially Jack Hughes, averaging more than a point per game, as well as Nico Heisher. He's definitely been performing well. Jesper Bratt has been performing well as well. And the goaltending has been absolutely incredible. Your worst goalie right now is McKenzie Blackwood, and he has a goal against average of 2.79, which still is not bad. No, not at all for a backup. But Vitek Vanacek, after being sent from Washington, he's been doing very well with them as well. With 12 wins out of 18 games played, He's just been absolutely incredible with a goal against average of 2.3. New Jersey is definitely going to be one of the teams to beat. I know it's shocking. I have to say that sentence. But it's what's been happening with this 2022 2023 season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of Seattle, you know, they're getting a lot of contributions from across the team. You know, not only your veterans, but also these young players like Maddie Beneers. They're getting a lot of help from their defense. Um, their goaltending isn't quite what you want it to be, but they're able to keep yep. up. Like I said, that nine to eight win, uh, nine to eight game win that they had as pretty much just sums up their whole season. Um, also, I've been very impressed with the Devils as well. You guys pretty much took my answers here. Jack Hughes is uh, showing that he is one of the NHL's elites. He is taking that step up, and I think he will be some of the, one of, among the top uh, scorers in the NHL. Now, some of the teams that I've been surprised by in a negative way, not <laughs> only is Columbus, but one that might even be more Uh, embarrassing is the Anaheim Ducks. They sit dead last in the league, 17 points, and get this, they only have one regulation win this season. Just one. And of course... 28 games. Yes. Of course, they've had their fair share of injuries as well, like Jamie Drysdale. um, Right. But... No, no one outside of Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry has scored more than 20 points. You know, you want more from Vitrano, from Strom, from McTavish, and you're just not getting that. And for them to be along in that Conor Bedard sweepstakes, you know, you if it's between them and Columbus, I mean, you
2: would hope that with all that talent they have, that it just, just doesn't go to waste. Yep. I do have a couple disappointments. Okay. Like one team, I'm not even going to bother – with the Blue Jackets and Ducks, because you've been embarrassing yourself long enough. <laughs> Leave us the alone. The Ottawa Senators, after that big off season that they had, bringing in Alex to it and other set pieces, they're they're second to last.
1: Yeah, I only two points above the Blue Jackets. That I would. And like to but
2: then the Philadelphia Flyers, then be, they became one of the favorites because of their strong start. Unfortunately, in hockey, is not how you start. It's how you finish. Exactly. They have not had a good run in November. They have lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 strain. They've lost 11 of their last 12. It's just absolutely abysmal right now in Philly.
0: Again, hockey is not about the talent; it's about how well your players can mesh together. And we're seeing that with teams like Columbus, with teams like Ottawa, with teams like Anaheim. It's you know, you just need good coaching, good goaltending, and
1: you know, it's more than just the names on the paper. It's it's it really is. I also have a team that is very disappointing that I would kind of like to cover uh, very briefly, and that is the Chicago Blackhawks, um, as they are sitting with a seven and fifteen record um they are hot garbage uh, to say the least taking a look at their stats here um obviously i do have a soft spot for one player on their roster uh, maxi domi i do miss maxi a little bit Uh, he is their second leading uh um score and uh tied or not tied but he's second also in points um he has nine goals 10 assists that is very 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 good um but there is one man that I wanted to point out on this roster, which is what made me so happy to bring up the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> but we all remember a little defenseman by the name of Seth Jones, don't yes, we? Yes, we do. Well, he is sitting oh with only one goal, six assists, seven total points, and a plus-minus average of negative 16 at wow. this point in the season. Um, I, I don't want to say that I'm smiling over that. But I kind of am in a way because he made it abundantly clear that he no longer wanted to spend his time in Columbus when he was succeeding very, very well at a good point in his career. And obviously, we sent him off to, at that point in time, a a very average Chicago Blackhawks team. And ever since he's joined the Chicago Blackhawks, he has been abysmal. So I don't want to say that I'm smiling over here because... He did try to um take advantage of what was at that time probably his prime um mm-hmm. to get a better deal. And now he is sitting with a team that is worse than the Columbus Blue Jackets with a plus-minus of negative 16. Like I said, the Chicago Blackhawks, they have nothing going for them at this point. If you're worse than us, that that's not very good. Um yeah. it's just been it's been terrible over there. But we kind of predicted they would be on the losing end of this year i just didn't think it would be um as bad as it is now but they like we kind of talked about in earlier podcast and um the blackhawks they continue to hold on to that roster from the stanley cup yep. over 10 years ago they're still holding on to a lot of those players and they are well past their prime We kind of saw this coming in a way. But, like I said, would I expect them to only have seven wins at this point in the season? Absolutely not. I would expect them to be a little bit better, probably around that 10 to 13 win margin. Um, You know, a little less than middle of the pack, but they are last. They are behind the Arizona Coyotes in the Central. It is just absolutely terrible for them at this point. Yeah, it's just the only things that they're holding on to at this point.
0: I mean, it's just a matter of when are they going to blow this up? When are they going to let Patrick Kane go? And it's not that he's not good anymore. It's just that, you know, what is he going to win with you
1: guys at this point in his career? He's when- 34. Uh, he is extremely old at this point in yeah. his career. He's well past his prime. Mm-hmm. I I think the Blackhawks have one of the oldest rosters across the league, and it is definitely showing right now. Father time has caught up with this team. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at Patrick Kane,
0: Jonathan Taze, Seth Jones, it's just not a good look for the Blackhawks it right really now. Isn't. They need to blow it up. They need to trade Patrick Kane, Jonathan yeah. Taze if they want to get this rebuild going because if not, they're just going to be stuck in this place that they've been for the last several seasons. I, mm-hmm. I just don't understand why they're trading away their young pieces. You know, it goes back to Artemi
1: Panarin, and it's still mm-hmm. happening to this day. So, it, I it just is. don't and, get what they're doing. And it's like I, I could understand if this was, you know, maybe five Five years after the stanley cup win where you know the players are still going to be playing a little bit worse than uh usual but they're still going to be competitive um but like you said at this point they're opting to send away their young talent their young raw talent Mm -hmm. and they're holding on to these players that have just aged terribly in in my opinion and I mean, they're sitting where they're sitting for a reason at this point. And from from us Jackets fans, it's never a bad thing to start a rebuild at any point. We've been going through a rebuild the past what four seasons or so, yeah. And it hasn't turned out too bad for us, other than this season. We haven't finished dead last in the Metro, and the Metro, you know, as we've discussed multiple times, is arguably the most competitive division. In the NHL, yep, and it has um, been for so long. It, it really has been, and because I'm looking at you know some of these teams at the bottom of their conferences, and if you had the Jackets in those conferences, w- we wouldn't be last, right? Um, so it kind of plays into that. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, if you're going to hold on to these aging players and not send them off, if you if you so choose to do that, then that is your choice. But it will get you nowhere. It's never too late to start the rebuild. We went through it. It is not a terrible process to go through and it does better your team, um, in the future. So I do think the Blackhawks should look to do that. Um, will they do that? Probably not. Um, because you would have assumed they would have, uh, at least begun that by now. Yeah. Um, so we'll just have to see what they do, uh, coming up on the trade deadline. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: so that's those are our standings updates right now. Um, before we sign off this episode, I do want to touch on uh, one of the greats in the league right now, Alex Ovechkin. He is inching closer to second all-time in goals. He's only five away from that number two spot, uh, which is held by Gordy Howe with 801 goals. Um, and then Wayne Gretzky obviously is number one with 894. So do we think that Alex Ovechkin, well, it's likely that he's going to surpass Gordy Howe this season uh, for that number mm-hmm. two spot. Do we think that
1: he will catch up to Wayne Gretzky at 894? I think he has a chance because for how old Ovechkin is and for him to be still um, playing at the level that he is, it almost seems like father time will never catch this man. So I see no reason why he wouldn't be able to surpass that margin. Um Ovechkin, since I've basically been alive, has been one of the most electric players in the league, um, and he is continuing to impress time and time again. So like I said, I, I still think he has that chance to surpass any margins that are in his way at this point in his career. And I think by the time Ovechkin finishes his career, which you know who knows when that will be at this point, um, I do think he will finish r- as the greatest hockey player of all time. Wow, even ahead of Wayne Gretzky. I I would argue so because at some point in his career, uh, Wayne Gretzky did begin to slow down um, around this age is when he began to show signs of, you know, his age is catching up to him. But Olvechkin is showing no signs of aging. He is showing no signs of letting up anytime soon. Hmm. So, like I said, I think at the end of the day, I think Olvechkin could easily pass. Gretzky as the greatest of all time.
2: Listen, the man is 37. He's playing like he's still in his rookie season. Alex Ovechkin has never played better. As a matter of fact, I could probably see him passing Gordy Howe in the in just like two or three games. That's how good he's been. Yeah. So watch out on November thirteenth or fifteenth because Gordy Howe, he's going to be passing you on one of those <laughs> yeah. dates. I, I can my
1: word. I can see Ovechkin playing for such a long period that there'd be a good chance that you know we're going to be telling our children. About Olvechkin, but he'll still be playing. Mm -hmm. Much like, you know, how everybody was assuming that about Tom Brady, where, you know, by the time a lot of us are going to be old and having uh, families of our own, Tom Brady, for all we know, he still could be playing in the NFL at that point. Yeah. Um, I think the same type of thing with Olvechkin. I think that by the time uh, most of our generation is, you know, growing up having their own families, they're going to be, we're going to be watching Alex Olvechkin to this day is still suit up and still play because like we like Casey said he's playing like he's a rookie still he's Mm -hmm. playing some of the best hockey that he's ever played at the age of 37 they're truly father time truly at this point it it seems like he will never catch up to Alex Ovechkin yeah so you said
0: you said that you could see him finishing as the greatest of all time uh Casey where do you rank where do you think Ovechkin once it's all said and done where do you think he will rank among the all-time greats
2: Listen, nobody is ever going to be topping Wayne Gretzky and what he did, but Alex Ovechkin is going to be very, very close—just maybe like a millimeter. That's how good Alex Ovechkin has been. He's might pass, he might pass Wayne Gretzky in the goal department, but I don't think he's going to beat him in the points category. That's just how good I don't know Wayne if Gretzky anyone is, will, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I don't think but- anyone's going to break the point uh, record that ovech or uh, that kretzky has but if i'm ranking him right now he is easily top 10 um i would still put him behind guys like steve eiserman joe sakic uh, rocket richard but at the end of the day i think he will end up being at least top five maybe top three i would only yeah. put wayne Gretzky. Bobby Orr, Gordie Howe, and then maybe Mario Lemieux up there. But other than that, I think he will be a top four, top three, all-time great. And with that, between him and Sidney Crosby, this is an age-old question. Who do we think is going to go down as the more great
2: player between those two? Man, that's it's absolutely tough that I got to pick one. I'm yeah. trying to be non-biased here. While Alex Ovechkin's been scoring a lot of goals, Sidney Crosby's been scoring a lot of goals and he's been assisting a lot of goals. I still think it might be, still think it might be Crosby based on te- based on team players. But Alex Ovechkin's definitely going to be up there as a goal scorer. Pat, you don't See, like that take. My
1: my my thing is um, outside, and I'm not saying this is just you know Casey being biased because he's a Penguins fan. But outside of Penguins fans, nobody seems to think that Sidney Crosby is that great anymore. Like, yes, he's still a very phenomenal hockey player. I'm not saying that he's not. But when you're comparing him to Alex Wolvechkin, I'm going to give it to Alex Ovechkin because Sidney Crosby, as we have seen, as his career has gone on, he has slowed up a little bit. Still, he's playing out of his mind. He's still playing some of the best brand of hockey.
0: He's still playing the best hockey that he's played in years. Right now, he's ninth in
1: scoring with uh, 35 points in 27 games. Absolutely. He's still playing very, very well, but we've seen him slow up a little bit. Yeah. He's aged a little bit. Ovechkin has has. not at all. That's why I'm still going to give it to Alex Ovechkin at the end of the day because when, when you look at especially with the teams that both of these players have had, where in the past, you know, Crosby, he's had teams built around him. He's had other phenomenal, phenomenal players to help him win. Ovechkin really hasn't. It's been him yeah, and only him. That's why I hold Ovechkin at such a high standard over almost any other hockey player, because a lot of these other greats, you know, they might have had decent players still to help him out. But at, the reality is with Ovechkin, it's almost always only been him. Yeah. He's been the only good player on the teams that he's played for in the liken, seasons he's played. So I like I said I gotta give it to Ovechkin. Yeah, I liken
0: that to a lot of uh, the whole Brady versus whoever debate, you know, like when Peyton Manning was around, like Brady versus Manning or Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. I think that Sidney Crosby is more like the Tom Brady, where he's got all the
1: accolades, you know, he's got all the points. He's got the rings, he's got the championships, he's got the titles to show yes. that he is that good. Mm-hmm. but in terms of his raw talent he's only performing th- to this level because of the weapons that have been built around him because of the players that have been brought in um where there are quarterbacks that i think are you know kind of like in the nfl like you were saying with tom brady i do think there are quarterbacks that are better than tom brady and yeah. that have been at points in their careers it's just that tom brady when you look at the weapons and you look at the teams that he was you know he had built around him that's what elevated him to this standard. So, same type of thing with Crosby. He's had all these players, had these teams that have been built around him. He's had these rosters created to support him and elevate his level of play. Where like Olvechkin, like you were kind to say, he's more like an Aaron Rodgers where mm-hmm. basically for his entire career, it's only been him um, in, that, in that sort of a way. Or like a Peyton Manning where it's only really been him at that point. Um, that, that, like that type of thing. That's why I, I still have to give it to Ovechkin at the end of the day because he's not had these rosters created to elevate him. He's kind of been left out to dry in a way, but he's still fighting every single game to get his team to win. And he's time and time again showing that he can still do it, even at the age of 37.
0: Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with you, Pat. I think, you know, not to discredit mm. Sidney Crosby at all, but I think that Ovechkin is going to, You know, he's up there with the goals, um, about the same amount of points as Crosby, except Ovechkin has a lot more goals than Crosby does. And I think he just... It's just obviously he's a better pure goal scorer. I think he's done a lot more with a lot less. Um, not saying that they haven't, you know, accomplished anything because obviously they were in Stanley Cup contention for a long time and obviously they won the Stanley Cup. But, you know, looking at how he's playing now in Washington, where they're barely hanging on to a winning record sitting at 30 points, um, I just think that Ovechkin has done a little bit more with a little bit less. Um, so that's just my take. So, uh, Yeah, as we wrap up, do we have any final thoughts today?
1: Um, My final thoughts, obviously, for all Jackets fans, you know, we're bottom of the barrel. It definitely hurts right now. Um, We do need to move on from Brad Larson. He needs to be out of Columbus as soon as humanly possible at this point. Um, He has done nothing to improve this team at all over the past year. Like, yes, we brought in the weapons, but... In terms of play on the ice, in terms of how we look on the ice, it is vastly – it is just embarrassing um, at this point. So get rid of Brad Larson. um, Look to make some splashes at the trade deadline for a good goaltender. And Alex Ovechkin, he will go down as the greatest of all time in my opinion. I will hold him to that. He will be playing for at least another 15 years. Uh, I don't know about that, but (laughs) – um, I res-
0: I respect it though. I respect it. Uh how about you, Casey? Any final thoughts today?
2: Listen, Pat, I don't see Alex Ovechkin pulling a Yarmir Yager because he's still <laughs> playing at 50, but I do think Alex Ovechkin is definitely gonna be he's definitely gonna be passing some more grades, especially Gordy Howe. Just watch it. Anyways, the Penguins are still in third. Let's see how much they can keep it going. And You never know. This season's still young. There's still four months of hockey. Just hang on.
0: Yep. Plenty of hockey left, and I can't wait to see how the rest of the season pans out across the NHL. So um, once again, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of SBT Overtime. My name is Dan Groen. I'm Pat Weber. Casey Rush. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports. Tune in to Sports Power Talk every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on 88.1 WZIP, which is also available on the Radio FX app. And also be sure to subscribe to the SPT Overtime and SPT Rewind podcasts. Thank you again for tuning in and have a happy holidays, everyone.